Hi guys, welcome to That DJ Podcast with me, Jake Colley. I'm a DJ, journalist and the creator of Undiscovered Sounds, a platform for emerging electronic music artists. It's my pleasure to welcome Eldon onto the pod this week. He's already landed signings with Nervous, Kaluki, Patrick Toppin's Trick and Jamie Jones's Hot Tracks. Eldon talks about his friendship with Richie Ahmed, how he threw his life into DJing, his take on using the sync button, and more. So, here we go. Uh, basically, so I, I got started in music, fully involved uh, with the likes of uh, producing about four years ago. And that sort of ties in with the length of time. I've probably been playing for around four and a half years, so six months longer than being, I've been producing. Um, I've basically been following the music scene since I was 14, 15 years of age. Started off with uh, Happy Hardcore, um, Hard Dance, EDM, then moved on to house music and then obviously tech house and techno. And then here we are now today. But I've had quite, a, quite an experience through from the early, late, say, late 90s up until like now, this present day. So... I think that comes across in some of my music as well. Some of the some of the tracks I make, and you know, some of them are fun, and, and and certain elements from the happy hardcore days can be can be heard throughout them. So yeah, it's good, man. So so how did you actually get into get, get into DJing and, and producing? And what was it? What was it that, that brought you in? <laughs> Just partying, like literally. Uh, like I, I had like I had a few friends who were like top DJs now at the minute. I've got a, got a few friends that have obviously been about for years and. Just, just through going to events and and uh, and like I don't even know it. It was just it was just one of them things that naturally progressed from me being in the crowd, being like being a punter, to then befriending the DJs at after parties, then speaking on WhatsApp, becoming friends, getting invited to go backstage for certain events over the, the last maybe five six years, and then it, well maybe longer to be honest, maybe eight years should we say, and then. Um, and then I just said to I said to Richie one day, Richie Ahmed, I said to him, mate, I want to do this full time. This is this is like what I want to do in that. Is there any way you can help me? And then Richie was like, I've got I've got this guy here who, who can uh, who can help you out with uh, learning how to produce and that. And he's he's a top fella. And and then he ended up started working with Chris. And then uh, basically I just done like a crash course of um a crash course of producing over over the lockdown period. And I was doing 10 hours a day, seven days a week. For, for a substantial period of time and then here we are now. So so that that's who it was with Richie Ahmed that kind of, of helped you yeah, in, it was, in the it start. Was Richie, then. Yeah, yeah. I asked I asked him one time in a party beforehand and he must have just thought, do you know what, Kai, you like obviously you're probably just off your cake or something, do you know what I mean? And he didn't take me seriously. And then and then we met and we had food and I was like, like Rich, this is this is what I want to do, do you know what I mean? I want to start making music because I'd like, I'd been playing for about um, twelve months at that stage, and I was taking lessons off a uh, Kinnaman. I was taking lessons off uh, a lad called Sosa from Liverpool, um, and and then that progressed onto me working with Chris. So, would you would you recommend kind of getting tuition and uh, from from like a professional to to help you learn learn your craft? Then one one hundred percent. Like for me personally. Um, not a lot of people can afford to do it because this is this is probably half the reason why it takes a producer a long period of time to to get from A to, to finishing a track. Do you know what I mean? It, it can take them, I don't know, a number of years. It can take you a number of months. It, like until, until you get to a certain level in producing, it can take you a long time. 
But if you've got someone who's been working in the game for the last 20, 25 years, who knows the ins and outs of it. Even though we're learning all the time, you're constantly learning as a, as a music producer, there's new things you can learn daily. But like once you've got that that guy there on your shoulder explaining things daily and working long hours every single day, it's it's definitely a massive help, do you know what I mean? But like I said, for, for someone who's just going, who's buying a laptop and, and, and buying a sound card and then they're trying to learn themselves on YouTube tutorials, it's going to tell, take them a hell of a long, a long more time to do it than having someone who's sitting next to you explaining what to do. Do you know what I mean? So, so how long do you reckon it, it took you from from the first time you downloaded DIW? I don't know if it was Ableton or Logic or whatever. How yeah, long do you reckon it? Ableton, yeah. yeah, how long do you reckon it took you before you got a decent signing in terms of how many hours you put in? I know it's probably difficult, difficult to say in terms of time frames, but well, looking back on it now, it was probably eighteen months. I'd say eighteen months, yeah. Um, and then, and then the signings just started coming after, after like sign after sign and sort of thing after that. Um, I think my first signing was actually on Richie's label on four thirty two. Um, he, he took a punt a punt on me. I actually made a track which I was going to release as a free download, and I sent it to one of the, the lads from Versus, David. And I said I'm looking to release this as a free download. He was like, "Mate, you're mad." He said, "You can't release that as a free download. You're going to have to send it out." So then I sent it to Richie. Um, and then Richie was like, mate, I'll sign this straight away. So that ended up going on 432. And then uh, I was lucky enough that they got DJ Dion to do a remix on it, uh, which was massive for me. So yeah, that was that was cool. That was like my first hand. But my actual first release was um, was on uh, Eli Brown's label, uh, This Is Arcane, which was a sort of like techno track. So techno EP, should I say. But um, yeah, man, it was cool. And I've had massive support off the lads from, from Salado as well with, with Solar and Solar Notes. Um, yeah, things things are taking long, being taking long nicely, mate. I just think next year I want to sort of carve my sound more, um, be a little bit more serious in what I'm making, and then uh, and aim for some labels. Like because I haven't really aimed for labels over the past two three years. I've just been making tunes and sending them out to to, to people who are now and, and nine times out of ten they were like, "Make me sign this for our label," or I've had labels message me and saying, "We'd like to release with you." Would you be interested in sending us some tracks? And I've sent tunes over, and they've signed them straight away. So I think this in two twenty twenty three, I want to aim at, at like specific labels that I want to want to target. So, so how do you approach sending sending tracks to, to labels? And is it just is it just a case of you sending stuff to to people you know rather than kind of to any, be honest, any kind of strategy or anything to it? Like uh, uh, for for me, honestly, uh, if if you haven't got a plug in inside the label, I think it's a lot more difficult to to, to get tracks listened to. Like I've I've sent tracks to labels that I want to release on, um, and I just have not I've had nothing back off them. Do you know what I mean? So I think it's important, like even for any upcoming uh, producer, to get out there and network. It's not even it's not even getting the DJs to get you to play play the tracks. It's about meeting the label managers, the even the artist managers. Getting to know them, getting familiar with them, send them some tunes, and then they can put you in the right direction. I think that's a lot more important than asking DJs to play your tunes. So how how do you what would be your tips for, for finding like promoters and and DJs kind of out and about? Do you, how do you find who, who the right people are and stuff like that? I think I think it's just a, a natural progression, really. Like obviously, if 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 you if you're a young promoter and and you you're doing events, say for instance, you was to book me to play at an event in I don't know Manchester, Sheffield. Then you get to become get a personal level with me because we're back and forth on emails. If, like if I haven't got a booking agent at the minute, so I'll be back and forth with them. And then when you meet them at, at the at, at the events, then obviously you get familiar with people, don't you? Like there's there's a lot of people that I know who've booked certain DJs and then obviously got signings off the back of that. Do you know what I mean? Because they've got that relationship with them then, and obviously you become a likable person and the DJ like wants to help you out, sort of thing. 
I think I think that's possibly the best way to do it. But if you're not throwing your own nights, maybe you've got a friend who's a DJ or who's doing really well, and you tag along with him one night, and he brings you backstage, and you end up meeting meeting whoever whoever's there, and then it just goes from that. Really, I think I think it's just like step by step. I don't think you can rush these things anyway, obviously, because. I've got a lot of contacts in, in the music industry, but I think everything takes time and I, th- I think you need, just need to be patient with it all, do you know what I mean? And it'll happen when it happens. You could, you could have that one slack that just goes boom and just takes you takes you to the next level, but obviously you could take you, could take you four years, could take you five years, could take, take you six years to get that slack, but you just got to be patient and enjoy the music. That's the most important thing. So that, so that 18 months that, that it took you, how, how, how much time were you spending... Each each day on on average every single on, day on seven days a week seven days a week ten hours a day oh wow and then my wife was nearly at the point of divorcing me because uh, I had a little girl as well so I was I was sort of neglecting the family life plus I was I was going out and drinking in in, in these times as well going to to the parties and after parties and things like that but um, I had to tone it down then I started doing five days a week and then it was then it was four days a week and then now I'm back to four days a week in, in the studio. Uh, but obviously then you've got to mix that with like being on the decks as well because I, I felt like because my production was basically 10 hours a day for, for that long period of time that I wasn't putting as many hours on, on, on the decks as what I should have been because I just didn't there wasn't there wasn't enough hours in the day do you know what I mean it was I was basically going in at 9 in the morning getting out like 6, 7 at night time and then I'd have, have my tea with my family and then you know you'd be in bed then and then it'd be start all over again the next day so of all all the signings that that you've had, which 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 would you say meant meant the most when you when you actually got it over the line? That's a tough question, really. <laughs> um, obviously, because Richie's a, a good friend of mine, to 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 appear on four thirty two, that was a massive one for me. And then uh, and then obviously a release with uh, with Jamie Jones's label, Hot Tracks, that was another big one for me. Um, but as for, as for like the the track that's probably done the most for me, it'll probably be either. Um, on Piero Peruba's label, non-stop, or the track that I released on uh, the EP, sorry, that I released on Danny Hour's label as well. That was massive for me in the in the schemes of like Spotify plays and um, getting getting me in with like guys from Tool Room who, who were like massively supporting the track, putting it on their playlists. Uh, got me to appear on a radio show of theirs and and things like that. That was that's like took me up an, another notch, I think, and like it's got my name out there a little bit more. Um, so yeah, I don't I don't know which one I'm most proud of, but um, they're definitely the ones that have made the most impact. I'd say. I was going to ask you about Mark Knight. He seems to have taken taken a bit of a liking to you recently. Um, what, what does what does it mean to to get kind of support from from him and, and Tool Room yeah, recently? It's, it's crazy. Yeah, it's crazy. Like even not just not just so much Mark as well. The the old team that you would speak to behind the scenes on the emails from from Tool Room. Um, it's it's just mad. It's, it's, it's obviously I'm, I'm not sure whether Danny's obviously must have a good affiliation with with the lads from Two Room and that, but they they took a shine into that that's the to the Selena's vibe track, um, and the EP in general really. But it was just it was yeah it was a bit bit of a surreal moment really because the the the, the massive Two Room obviously so it was, it was good man. So how did you how did you get to to Danny Howard? Is he someone you you knew through through contacts and stuff or? Yeah, well, so basically, I met Danny like face to face at um, Park Life in last twenty twenty. What are we on now? Twenty twenty two. But that was the first. What are we on now? Twenty twenty one. Sorry, I met him at Park Life twenty twenty one, and I just got chatting chatting with him. I was there. Um, I think I was there with Richie and uh, the lads from Camel Fat as well. Um, but I got I got chatting to him, and uh, I just exchanged emails, and then yeah, he he, he supported uh, the release. He supported the the forty two release. He supported the Oxlack release. 
uh, one of my solo releases. Yeah, he's just been very supportive on, on most of the most of the releases that I've made. So that's been cool. And then obviously, um, when I got the opportunity to release on on his label, that was that was massive. What, what's it? What's he like as a as a guy away away from away from the decks and away from the radio? Yeah, well, I, I, I don't really have I don't really have like a personal relationship with Danny, but obviously speaking to him on on emails or on on even on WhatsApp, he's just he's just a cool guy. Do you know what I mean? It's a, it's a, it's good to be able to have someone like that in your corner because he played at a, at Glastonbury recently and a, he put a post up as like any any um, any edits, anyone got any edits for me to play while I'm in Glasgow? So I sent him shit loads of edits. And he was like text back, mate, these are amazing, blah, blah. And then he ended up he ended up playing one of them at the at the festival, which was brilliant. But I got like a 10 second video of it, but it looked it looked unreal. It looked unreal, yeah. So that was it, uh, that was good. So when when you started this, did you did you ever think one of your tracks are gonna be played at Glastonbury? <sighs> you know, it's, it's you know what? It, it's like when I started out, I didn't start out with the intention of like even dreaming of having my tunes played at certain places or like all over the world and, and things like that. I just I just started out because I wanted to learn how to be a DJ. That was that was the first thing. And then once I got the producing bug, it was like the DJ went like on the shelf sort of thing. And it was like I just want to be in the studio all the time. So I I, I invested a lot of money into my studio. Obviously where I am now, um, and I've just been I've just been grafting my ass off ever ever since. So. Yeah, it's 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 surreal to see the tracks getting played around the world. But now I'm at the stage where I want to be that person who's playing them tracks. I, I want to I want it to be me playing my own music to these people all over the place. So that's that's it. I'm just going to do it step by step, and then we'll get to where we want to be eventually. So there's obviously a lot of people kind of struggle when they first open Ableton or whatever DAW they're in, and to kind of to make the first steps of making a track. How do you when you first open it, what what's the first thing that, that you do to kind of start making a track, or does it, it always like, change it was, every time? It was, it was like, it was like a, it was like I've just uh, turned the spaceship on. Like I got inside the spaceship the first time, sat down in front of it. It was like, what's going on here? There was just that many dials, all kinds of channels and things like that. But um, I have a process now, so basically I'll I'll have set, like uh, a template sort of thing that I'll just work through, work across. Um, I'll always start with me kicking my bass and then I'll go into my hats and always trying to get try and get my groove going first um, and then obviously move on to vocals and things like that. But depends depends on whether I've got a vocal in mind, then I'll, re- I'll work backwards, then I'll put my vocal in and then I'll, I'll I don't know, take, take certain things out of that, maybe the melody and then I'll take my bass from the melody, et cetera, et cetera. So it depends really. Obviously for anyone who's just starting out, it can just look like the most overwhelming thing in the world. But I think that the key to it is efficiency and, and moving through things quickly. So if you've got a load of kicks, a load of claps, a load of hats, a load, a load of percussion, um, like I tend to use MIDI over using samples. So I'll write all my own MIDI in. Some people like just to throw samples in, et cetera, et cetera. That's a fast way of doing it. But then if I was that person who was using the samples, I'd just have a, a drum rack full of 25, I don't know, percussion loops or 25 top loops. And and then I'd just flick through them and take little bits out of each one when I, when I want to gel my groove together. I think that makes you more efficient when you're working through things rather than looking through. Because I've seen people who tend to use splice and then they'll they're on the door and then they'll go off and look at something splice and then they'll start flicking through things. I think it takes a little bit more time. Obviously, everyone works differently. But I think if you've got everything in front of you, even if you take the time, to take your 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 audio, your sample audio, and turn it into uh, where you can use it as a MIDI. I think that's it can work more efficient for you. 
And obviously, once you start using, I don't know, say you're using things like the stressor on there or you're using uh, your SPL, uh, SPLs, your twin tube or your fancier designers to carve your sounds, then you can save them and put them into the, a new rack. And then that, that's your sound then, do you know what I mean? You've treated them and then you've got them all in a drum rack where, where you can easily just flick through. I think that works with your kicks, even with bass sounds and things like that as well. It, it's, it works with everything. It's just taking your time to do it. I think at the start, you should take your time to do that. And then and then you can work more efficiently going through it. If that even makes sense. No, no, that's really good. Um, so what's your what's your take on kind of plugins and, and stuff like that? Because a lot of people spend loads and loads of money on, on plugins, and other people say you don't need plugins. What 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 would you say on that? I, I think it's however you've learned. Who am I to say whether you should use plugins or you shouldn't? It's it's however you've learned and then whatever you're comfortable doing. Um for me. Uh, when I started working with Chris, I, I got the UAD, um, which which is massive and like it's expensive, but you you, you get what you pay for with it. Do you know what I mean? I, I think that comes across in your sound, um, but that that's literally got everything on there. It's got everything. Um, so I definitely say, even well, somebody I'll give, give give them a little bit of advice. But now UAD are doing sort of like a clan thing where you can pay month monthly to get all these plugins, basically where. Say, for instance, you were paying £150 for one plugin. Now you can pay, like, I don't know, £100 a month, and you can get X amount of plugins. So it's definitely worth it. I think it's a little bit cheeky by UAD what they've done because, like, obviously, the the actual sound card, the first one I bought, I think was £2,000. So now they're saying you don't even need the sound card to, to work it. You can just work it straight from, from the door. Um, so for people who spend money on on sound cards and things like that, and obviously I've spent X amount on all these plugins, I think it's a little bit of a kick in the teeth. But I think at the same time, it's opening a new a new door and it's a new era for young producers to come through and to be able to use the stuff that maybe maybe they were priced out of using before. So I think in the end, it can only be a good thing for music, but for people who've been and and spent a lot of money in the past over it, I think it's just a little bit of a kick in the teeth. But it is what it is. You've got to move the times, haven't you? So kind of just kind of going off the back of that kind of saying it's a bit of a kick in the teeth. I wanted to ask you about the, the sync button and, and what you think about that. Because I know on, on socials, there's a massive divide between people on whether yeah. the people should use it or not. What's, what's your take on it? So, so my take on it is that I don't personally use it. Um, and and that, the only reason I don't use it is because you know, I, I only tend to really use two decks. Um, if I was using three or four decks, then maybe maybe I might need to use it because I know that some people, some of the top DJs, just will just have a drum loop on on like deck four, and they'll just have that synced, so it's constantly in time. And then when they bring it in, it just gives that nice rolling effect to, to the tracks. Um, I think obviously it's everyone's preference. Like if you want to use it, use it. If you can get to a, a certain level of DJing while you're using it, then good luck to you. But for me personally, I don't I don't tend to use it at this moment in time. I'm not saying that further down the line. I might never ever use it. Who knows? But I think that a lot of these DJs that are playing a lot of these festivals and you know, they're having a good time, aren't they? And you know, there's the drinks flowing, the, there's other things that are flowing. So I think maybe some of them you need to use it because obviously the where they are in the headspace. So who am I to judge? So what are you, what are your tips for? For mixing and and DJing, then what 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 would you say to, to kind of people that are, that are just starting out as to how you can do a, a clean mix and a, and a good mix? Is there anything yeah, that you've I, I'd picked say, up? Obviously, if you haven't got no friends who, who who are DJs or that who can't give you no tips, it's it's just quite easy just to go onto YouTube and just get some basic um, mixing, some mixing tips. Um, like 
some people like to mix long. Like, like I like to mix fast because I, I play at like quite a higher tempo. So I, I, I do my mixing fast. Um, but if I'm playing at a lesser tempo, then I can be slower with my mixes sort of thing. But yeah, it, it, I think it's just down to whatever you're playing. Um, and I think that the best thing to probably do is to go onto YouTube and just learn how to mix through 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 YouTube tutorials. I've I've done that in the past. Um, I've I've took tips off of people who who are now and you know you're constantly learning. Everyone will mix differently. You'll mix differently from me, and you know another another guy will mix differently from both of us. So I think with everything in music, you've got to find your own feet, and you'll do things the way you do them, not the way other people do them. So don't be disheartened if you think that someone's. Um, pushing ahead of you, who started out at the same time here because everyone's run their own race. You'll get get where you want to be eventually if you if you work hard and, and you believe in what you're doing. You'll you'll achieve what you want to achieve. So if if there's anything you could tell yourself that from three three four years ago about how they should approach music and how they should be a producer or a DJ, what what would you yeah. say is kind of stuff that you've learned over the years? Definitely the stuff I've learned is to, to be patient. Um, Take your time with things, network, meet the right people, get the right connections. Um, yeah, put put the hours in on the decks as well. I wish I would have put more hours in playing than they had in the studio. I think it's it's a good idea to find the balance between the boat if you can. I know it's hard because sometimes you can just get addicted to being in the studio all the time and then and then you you you're playing, you're playing suffers, but if you can find the balance between both, maybe alternate your weeks or your months where you do X amount of time on the decks and then and then you'll do X amount of time in the studio. I think just yeah, just finding your balance is probably key. Like for me, I'd probably only started DJing six months prior to producing. So normally people will start maybe a year, two years before they even think of producing. So for me, it it went it come faster. Um, but like I said, everyone's race is different. Everyone's running running their own race and how things materialise for you, it's different from one person to the next. Uh, but for me, I'd just say take your time, um, learn your craft with the DJ, and most importantly, learn your music, learn learn different types of music, all types from, from like, Tony, from disco, from house music, even, like, even dance music, uh, happy, you can go to a happy hardcore, you can go to hard dance, learn it right across the board, learn DJs that have come through before you, um, for me, I, I discovered a, a guy called Tony DeVitt uh, recently. Um, he was like hard dance uh, producer. Absolutely unreal. I listened to his, his uh, Radio 1 uh, set and he's playing on 1210s. I think it was in like 1995, if I'm not mistaken. It might have been 1998, but it might have been 1995. And he was un, unreal. He's died now, unfortunately, but what, what a guy. And, and he made some cracking t- tunes as well. So I'd have a little look at him. If you like hard dance have a little look at Tony on a hard house as well. Have a little look, look, look at Tony. He was amazing. So where, where do you find where do you find your, your music for, for your mixes and what, what's kind of the places that you go to for, for new tracks? Yeah, I just dig. I just dig. All I do is dig for new tunes. Like I was having a laugh I played on Saturday in um in Manchester and one of one of the young lads that was there, he was like, mate, where where do you find these fucking tunes from? Do you know what I mean? Apologies for swearing. And I was just like, mate, just digging, just digging. Just got to dig. Just you'll start like with Tony. Say for instance, you'll you'll go down the rabbit hole with Tony, and then you'll be looking on Discogs and you're looking at for vinyl, like obviously vinyl. You can get digital releases also. And then next thing, you're just on a, a totally different producer, and you're looking through their back catalogue. It just take, you can spend hours and hours down that rabbit hole. 
But that's what I'm trying to say as well, as well as searching for tracks. Sometimes you're up till three and four in the morning looking for tracks and you, your wife's saying to you, you get to bed, you know what I mean? I'm the same when I go looking for, for acapellas. I'm always awake till, till all I was looking through. But once you go down that rabbit hole, it's, um, it's, it's difficult to stop, do you know what I mean? I was just going to say, what what point did you realise it, it was a it was a career that you wanted to have rather than rather than a hobby? Was was there something that happened that that made you realise? Or it was it was that conversation with Richie. Obviously, when I spoke to him and said that this is what I want to do, from that day forwards, I put everything into it, like literally everything. Uh, my heart, my soul, and everything's been being put into music since since that day. And to to to, to make to make a, that much of a drastic change in my lifestyle to to become a music producer and, and aspiring, obviously DJ aspiring producer as well because I'm still obviously trying to get to where I want to be. Um I just decided that day that, that was that was going to be the day that I was going to do this. Do you know what I mean? Like me, me I, I my heart and 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 my mind and everything was fully invested in, in what I was doing. Now it might sound a little bit cheesy to say, but like I know to myself personally that that that's the truth. Do you know what I mean? My truth is is music and and music production at this moment in time. And obviously now I've got two two young kids. I've got a nine year old and a, and a nine month old. So she'll be she'll be on the deck soon. Give give another twelve months. I'll have I'll have my eldest girl on the decks and and hopefully have a in the studio teaching her a few things as well. So how do you how what what are your tips for kind of motivating you, yourself when 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 sometimes you you can't face pulling open Ableton but you need to kind of drive through and and do it. What what are your tips for kind of yeah, keeping I think, going? I think and... just, just music is your motivation. That I think going to events. Uh, there's no better motivation than going going to watch um, you know one of your favorite DJs live, or you know one one of your favorite events, and you, you can get your motivation from that. Also, listening to music, listening to different types of music. There might be something that you're listening to, like I was touching before on disco. There might be some funky funky tracks that you listen to, and you take certain elements out of the track that you you can put into your own by resampling them or or things like that. I just think being fully around music all the time that should be a motivation to. To work on things and try new things. Try don't stick to like um, a regimented uh, production style. Try try new things. Try and learn new things, and then that'll keep your your attention span um, more more involved in what you're doing on, on a daily basis. Because if you're just doing the same thing every single day, it gets a bit tedious, doesn't it? So think out the box, um, and then it should definitely help you stay motivated. Do you have a particular kind of schedule about how you divide your, your week and stuff, or do you just kind of play it by ear? Because I know people have some people are really regimented and say this is half an hour yeah. I'm doing this, this is half an hour I'm doing that. No, no, not, not not in the sense of that. So basically, before obviously I've had me holidays the last the last month or I've been I literally haven't been in the studio for the last probably eight weeks, maybe a little bit longer. Uh, but prior to that, I've been in every single day. So I just my studios in, in the back of my house in my back garden. So. I um I'll get up in the morning, nine o'clock, I'll have my breakfast. Well, eight thirty, nine o'clock, I'll have my breakfast, and then I'll just come in, have a coffee, and then just get started. Um, and then I'll just stay in here then till till about twelve, one, go and have my dinner, and then I'll come back in, then I'm in till six o'clock till uh, till the kids come home, uh, and my wife comes home and then and then I'm in the house then. Have having people have like some people don't like to have people around, but I think it's good to have friends around sometimes, and you know you can have a little little bit of a jam, and you can bounce off each other, and you can get advice on certain things as well. Because there's nothing worse than when you're obviously second guessing what you're doing. You know, does that sound all right, or should I, should I change that? And then sometimes if your friends are there, it's good to have them to have that little bit of advice to say, yeah, that sounds cool, or or what. Do you know what I mean? I think I think just don't lock yourself on your way as well. Make make sure you stay open to even doing collabs with different people or or, or whatever. 
what's your what's your approach to, to social media because i know there's some people who just think oh, i can't be bothered with social media but obviously it's quite a big part these days yeah. what's, what's kind of what's so your basically approach I, to... I, I tried to get a bit of advice uh, recently over my social media because um i've just been building my followers obviously I'm, i think we're around six thousand followers now just, just under um and a friend of mine who actually deals with with social media said i was posting too much so i took a bit of advice off him and stopped posting and then i've went from like gaining 60 followers a month well between 60 and 70 followers a month to losing followers now so i'm going back to my old my old ways of posting fucking five times a day <laughs> so it, 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 it just depends it depends what like obviously what your followers like from my followers like the fact that i post all the time or I think it's a bit of a difficult one. I think my advice now to give to people, though, would be probably to start moving over onto TikTok. Um, I think Instagram's had it today. I think TikTok's where it's at. Not to be doing daft videos and making a cunt out of yourself, but just in the sense of, like, posting on there and the reach is a lot better. Um, and, then, and then also, as well, like, some of your big big posts, do pay posts for them, sponsor them. You've got a little bit of spare money that you can, you've got, like, an, an upcoming release, put a little few quid into it just so it gets a bigger reach. And then that'll that'll help grow your following as well. But I think TikTok's definitely on on the rise, and it's something that I'm definitely looking to be moving over from from Instagram onto TikTok. So, what sort of stuff are you posting on on TikTok then? What kind of things are you doing? It's just kind of little, little mixes and like, that kind. Of... No, no, not even not I'd like. Like my management used to have a go at me because I I'd, uh, I don't like to post in in the studio like putting a track together. I think it's the most pointless thing. Like, you know, this is me doing the drums, this is me with the kick, I will listen to the bass. Like, to, to, for for an upcoming um, producer to start learning, you need more in-depth than the 30-second clip of you just putting a little track together. I think I just think it's pointless, uh, so I don't really like to do that. Uh, I think talking about, like, the, obviously this is the first, first podcast I've done. I've never done a podcast before. Um, I think this type of back and forth and answering questions is, is, is a lot more... Um, a lot more. What's the word for it? it it's it's pr- probably better for people to than me showing a thirty second clip about how I'm throwing a track together. Do you know what I mean? Um, but yeah, it's, it, I think social media media is a massive tool, and it's good to in into in uh, to have a chat with with people. But I don't think it's to be all and end all. To be honest, no, that's grand. I was just going to ask you what, what was it what was it like to to get a, a radio one play? I know we've kind of covered it, and you said that you kind of told me how you got there, but you're not really told me. What it what it was like was that a moment where you kind of told you picked up the phone and and called you called your mates and that kind of thing. Nah, what, do you know what, what the like? thing? Because nah, the thing with Radio One, I haven't I haven't had an actual uh, like peak time play. I've only had like a few uh, on Danny's late shows from like but I think two till three a.m. So I've normally been a kid by that time anyway. I've just woke up the next day to have an email to say oh your tracks being played on Radio One. But as for like a peak time one, I'm still I'm still to get the yeah, to get that. So as soon as that happens, then I'll let you know. We'll we'll repeat this conversation. Uh, but but as as for the ones that I've had, like even like I've had uh, plays on Kiss and and things like that. I think probably Kiss peak time is probably one of the best ones, like feeling wise, that I've had. Um, that was amazing. It's, it's it's great, isn't it? But I think even like the, the, with the radio stations and things like that, it's that for, for me the music. What matters to me is me playing out to the out to the crowd. Like playing it at full of full events and you know 
me me putting my my heart and soul into my tracks and then and then playing them to, to the public and and then being well received hopefully you know hopefully they have a good time when they come to see me but that, that's the most important thing radio radio plays are nice but I think doing doing this full time playing all over the world to crowds is 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 definitely what I want more so than radio one plays so what what's the gig what's the gig that that that's been the biggest gig for you or the, or the gig that's meant the most would you say do you know what? Well, I took I took six weeks off um, off drinking, and um, that was last summer, just to see how how, how I would play and how I as enjoy playing um, in a sober state where where I weren't drinking, and I played at Social Avenue in Manchester um, for the Salado lads. I, I, I warmed up for them, and that was probably like it was only a social distance event, but that was probably the best gig I've done uh, in the in the in the sense of. Uh, having that re- um, reaction between me and the crowds and things like that, I, I thought it was amazing. But I played at some cool venues. I, pl- I played, obviously, in uh, Lost Beach in Ecuador. I played in Croatia on top of the castle in Dubrovnik. Um, I played a few cool places, but I think that one in Manchester was a little bit special because of just just how like the crowd reacted to, to, the, to the tracks that I was playing. So that was a cool one for me. And the fact that I was in a sober state as well, it was, it was a little bit more, um, I could feel it more sort of thing. So is is that kind of an important thing for for you for to kind of make sure that you don't go kind of off the rails sometimes when you're behind the decks and stuff? I know it's quite. I've heard a lot of people say it's, it's easy to get sucked into to all that when you're DJing all the time, and it's hard to get 100%. out of it. I don't um, even think not not just so much in DJing in, in everyday life. We 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 all know we all know the lads that we all like to go out and have drinks and have a laugh on weekends. You know, if if we can afford to, we'll probably get off our cakes every fucking. You know, every weekend, if, if that was the case, or but for me, I, I think it's very important. There's a t- there's a thin line, um, and I see it so much in, in in this game that it's so easy to get lost. Do you know what I mean? And I think you need that right right group of people around you to keep you on the state and narrow, especially when you're doing well, because that's the most important time. You don't want to throw it all away when you when you're at the top of the game. You want to want you want to you want to be. Um, enjoying them moments that like playing out at these big massive events not like waking up the next day and going oh, I can't even remember what happened there you want to you want to be taking it all in and, and enjoying it so for me I, like I've said I've said this to my wife anyway when I go and play I want to treat it as a job so you shouldn't really be able to drink when you when you're not when you're in work so that's the way I should treat it and then afterwards I can do what I want do you know what I mean but before playing I'm just going to chill and then uh, and enjoy my set and then I'll, if I want to have a drink afterwards I'll have a drink afterwards but I think that going forward, that's going to be very important for me, I think. And it's something, something that I'm going to try and stick to. Thanks for listening to that DJ podcast. If you enjoyed it, please leave a rating and subscribe.